tell me if you've heard this one before. A pregnancy postpartum physical therapist and a pregnancy postpartum chiropractor walk into a podcast and we dive into what is the difference between physical therapy and chiropractic in pregnancy and postpartum. Also, how a chiropractor who became a doula got involved in pregnancy postpartum. And then we also talk about the Pregnancy Informed podcast. I have chiropractor Dr. Elliot Berlin from LA on the Active Mom Postpartum podcast, and we talk about all the things. Let's start the show. You're tuning into the Active Mom podcast with physical therapist Dr. Carrie Pagliano, a real mom's guide to all things postpartum return to workouts after baby. If you're a postpartum mom, coach, trainer, or physical therapist looking for answers on how to get back to running, CrossFit, yoga, Pilates, HIIT, you name it without the fear of pelvic floor issues or doing something wrong, this is the podcast for you. Let's start the show. All right. So I know it sounds a little strange, but as being a PT for 25 years, I don't actually know that much about chiropractic. Um, so we have Dr. Elliot Berlin. He's a chiropractor in California. He's the host of the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. He's joining us today to talk a little bit about chiropractic and then also just education in, uh, for postpartum and pregnant women um, and just how we can get them more information to make better choices. Dr. Berlin, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Okay, so give me the, the the basic dummies guide to chiropractic. What do I need to know um, just in general? And then what would I need to know as um, a pregnant woman or a newly postpartum woman? Uh, okay, great. So chiropractors, you know, it's a diverse field. What we all have in common is that we chase restriction uh, where bones come together. Two bones come together, they form a joint. There should be good movement around that joint. Sometimes they get restricted they don't move as well and that can create different problems loss of range of motion sometimes you feel the dysfunction especially if it's like a sensitive joint like where a rib might meet a vertebra when that's not aligned well very painful um, and sometimes you don't feel it so much and it's just there sort of setting the stage for problems to come and uh, there's a lot of different ways to find those restrictions and there's a lot of different ways to release them but that's primarily what we have in common so um when it comes to pregnancy the musculoskeletal system is more strained than ever and um it's functional it's meant to be able to accommodate the growth and the other changes that are taking place but um, that's when you're going to start to notice those restrictions that have been there that didn't really create a problem in the past so uh, i sometimes say that uh, pregnancies sort of highlights existing issues almost like if you have little tiny cuts on your skin and you don't feel them and then you jump into salt water then you do feel them it's not the salt water that caused the issue it's just highlighting the issue and so during pregnancy is a time when people sometimes start to feel the imbalances in their body the restrictions in their body and um and go seek help and uh, it's a great time to do it because having a functional musculoskeletal system is ideal for pregnancy, for birth, for postpartum, for everything that follows. Yeah, I would agree with that. Having had two kids of my own and, uh, you know, obviously that's that's why I work with that as well. Pregnancy, is, I think it definitely highlights some stuff and whatever gets highlighted in pregnancy, the rest of it gets highlighted in postpartum, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I find that... Uh, 
it's a trend that everybody can have anything, but during pregnancy, things are a little bit lower down in the lower back, hips, pelvis. And then all of a sudden, once you have the baby, things start to move up to neck, shoulders, upper back, almost, we call it mommy neck and mommy back, all the bending, lifting, holding, feeding, changing, looking down, you know, starts to affect you up higher at the top. I also think, you know, in our office, we address the soft tissue too, um, because you don't have a muscular system totally separate from the skeletal system um and uh, it, oftentimes it's one therapist that handles the soft tissue and another practitioner that handles where the bones get restricted but uh, we kind of combine them together in a session we call chirosage because uh you actually have a deeply intertwined musculoskeletal system so to get the restrictions from both sides gives us uh, faster results that last longer I always say, because I work with PTs a lot, sometimes PTs and chiropractors uh, feel like competitors. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes we are, but there's there's overlap, I would say, in what we do. But in my relationship with uh, physical therapists, I sort of see the full complement of musculoskeletal health as being kind of two different things at the same time. One is duct tape and one is wd-40 so <laughs> i'm the uh i'm the wd-40 i go find things in the bones that gotcha. are stuck and not moving well we get it moving better and the muscles that are too stiff tight and restricted we work them out and restore normal length and normal tone and the other side of that coin is looking at the things that are unstable or too weak and trying to use exercises and modalities to increase the stability and strengthen the weaknesses and when you do that, you get really get a, a, a very well-balanced musculoskeletal system. And, you know, I, I find myself in chiropractors more in the WD-40 side and the yeah. PTs more in the duct tape side. And when we come together, our patients get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting, um, you know, when you, you hear different professions talk about different, th like the same thing, but in, in different ways. Um, and it, I'm always curious, you know, especially with, with, with Cairo and PT, like, I, I do agree, there is a lot of overlap. Um, but it's, it's just so interesting. I, th I think it was explained to me once, something about the vital nerve force or something. I'm like, that I didn't get. But <laughs> mm -hmm. I know that just like in PT, like there's people that have different approaches to things. Chiro, I think it's probably similar as well. Well, I, I think when you're looking at chiropractic, you could look at it as a musculoskeletal modality, yeah. or you can go a little bit deeper. And one of the areas of taking it a little deeper is uh, the nervous system controlling. And one of the two systems yeah. that controls the function of every cell organ and system in the body and so if the central nervous system the brain and spinal cord is not well connected to the peripheral nervous system everything that it controls then either you're going to have bad information coming in or lack of information coming into the central nervous system or its responses are going to be impeded and so the spinal cord is the spinal cord is protected by the spinal column, which is all the vertebrae lined up on top of each other. But there's dual purpose there. Your spine is supposed to be able to give you mobility so you can 
you know, move around, dance, walk, whatever, and um, also protect the spinal cord and all the nerve roots that come out. But when it gets stuck or restricted and it starts to not protect very well, maybe even create pressure on some of those nerve structures, that's where you have the breakdown in communication between the central nervous system and peripheral nervous system by alleviating some of that pressure and restoring the body's ability to communicate with itself, you're healing the doctor within and you're giving the body a, a much better operating system for finding and fixing its own problems, which is, I think, a lot more powerful than what we know on how to diagnose and treat things medically. Yeah. So um, the vital life force, I think, comes <laughs> more from Chinese medicine, like the, they would call it qi, um, yeah. which is interesting also, and I, I you know, I, I'm there too, but uh, not me as a chiropractor, I just work in that space with acupuncturists. Yeah. Um, but that one's a little bit harder to visualize because you can't cut somebody open a cadaver and see vital life force, uh, especially since it's gone by the time you're cutting them open. But Valid point. <laughs> <laughs> but, Valid point. But anatomically, you can see all these things in, yeah. in the nervous system. And once you start to kind of uh, study that, it's, it's sometimes it's like a, an electrical harness in a car and something's shorting out and you don't know what. And it's it takes a while to kind of trace it down to the source. But it's very practical. It's, it's, it's there. You can see yeah. it. I, I had an amazing acupuncturist I worked with years ago, and I remember it was the first one I, I'd worked with before. And I remember asking her, you know, do you, do you treat? And I was asking her about all these pelvic floor issues, you know, like uh, vulvodynia and interstitial cystitis. And she was this lovely um, Lithuanian woman that was trained in Chinese medicine, but she was um, trained as a medical physician back in Lithuania. And she had this lovely calming voice. And she kind of looked at me like, I, I don't, you know, I don't do these particular diagnoses, but I treat kind of, you know, energy flow and that sort of thing, which made no sense to me. And I remember after she treated me, I think it was like for a hip issue or something like that. She talked about your chi is blocked. It made me think of that when you said that. And I was like, I just remember my hip being really pissed off. <laughs> and, she, and, she, and I was like, you know what? That's the crossover. And it's like, and I, I think it's probably very similar with, with your profession and mine is like, we use different words, but there's this crossover. And she didn't necessarily treat these particular diagnoses that I was looking at, but she very much knew when something was stuck or things were not flowing or doing what they should. And if I could kind of step back and sort of almost like, blurry wise as far as words were concerned like there was a lot of crossover there like she, what, what was stuck to her was pissed off to me and from a musculoskeletal perspective there was a lot of other things going on there so i think there's there's probably some decent crossover from that respect um for you like what what are the most common reasons that you see women for chiropractic care in pregnancy and postpartum uh, in pregnancy, the number one thing that comes into the office every single day, multiple times a day, is sciatica. Yeah, um, and it's not a it's not necessarily typical classical sciatica that goes all the way down the leg. It's sciatica that's rooted in the upper outer glute, yep. and sometimes radiates down a little bit, usually a couple of inches, never past the knee. And so I call that sciatica of pregnancy. And um, I, it, it's because typical sciatica is nerve root compression in the lumbar spine. And when you compress those nerve roots, they run all the way down the leg to the foot. But the outer bundle, the, the sciatic nerve goes deep 
after it fuses, the last three lumbar nerves come together and they fuse and make this long, wide nerve that goes all the way down the leg. That's the sciatic nerve and irritation of the sciatic nerve is sciatica. But depending where that irritation is taking place and to what extent, will kind of determine where the symptoms are felt and, and to what degree. So the sciatic nerve is both muscular, it's both motor and sensory. So um, if you're compressing the motor nerves, you the muscle won't fire properly. It won't be dependable. You try to walk on it and it just gives away. Um, I've experienced that before. Definitely both my kids. <laughs> oh, it does not it's sound a pain pleasant. in the ass. <laughs> yes, it's a literal pain in the ass. See, now we're on the same terminology. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, the side, and if you're hitting the nerve, the sensory part of it, you're going to feel pain and paresthesia, weird sensations. Um, and the most common presentation is like sharpness in the yeah. upper outer glute that radiates down a little bit, sometimes with an uh, unreliable muscle. Um, but, you know, the cause of it is typically the piriformis muscle putting pressure on the sciatic nerve. So if we can alleviate that pressure by loosening up the angry piriformis, then the sciatica tends to respond. See, really, that's really where well. I think the, the piriformis gets a bad rap. And that's where I think I probably you, you probably see some good collaboration with pelvic floor PTs is, is just sometimes that overactivity in the pelvic floor just trying to hold everything together. But yeah, no, I feel like the piriformis sometimes gets the, the bulk when really there's some other stuff that's, that's, you know, do, do you work a lot with um, pelvic floor PTs in, in mm -hmm. collaboration and pregnancy? Yeah, we have in office awesome. uh, pelvic floor Oh, aren't you lucky? Pregnancy. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so we <laughs> work like, together. Knock on the door. Hey. <laughs> oh, totally. And and there are certain things. So, you know, like when sadica comes in, sadica of pregnancy, that kind of sadica that's presenting yeah. just like that, um, we'll start typically with chiropractic and, yep. and the massage. Yep. And uh, if we release piriformis and it hasn't mm -hmm. gone away, then we can... You've got other stuff. Yeah, yeah, we have the tools in the tool belt. Yeah. But other things we start on, on the PT side, and if they don't work, then we come over to the yeah. chiropractic side. Um, That's nice you have that option. I have clients that'll come in, and if, if they've been seeing chiropractic for a while, the question always is like, well, should I keep going? I'm like, if you feel like something's helping do it. Like I am not here to be judge, jury, executioner. Like if that's helping, do it, keep up with it. Um, and then I've had some that are like, Hey, you know, chiropractic is hundred percent PT is not working and vice versa. You probably see that as well. Sure. Um, I really have a nice general, yeah. I have a general rule with some exceptions that if I work on you four times and we don't see a change, yeah, that's nice. We need yeah. to kind of scratch our heads and look yep. elsewhere. Either do some. Imaging. I wish everybody was like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't mean it's going to be all better in four visits. But no, we but should something. See, yeah, you know. Uh, again, I'm I'm WD forty. If I'm getting rid of the restriction and you're not noticing a change, then either we need to look at other modalities or do yeah. some imaging and see what we're missing. And so what yeah. happens oftentimes with postpartum lower back pain. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, usually I see things move up postpartum to more neck, shoulder, upper back. But if we're still dealing with lower back pain um, and we'll do four visits postpartum and not see a change, I'll almost always recommend a pelvic health evaluation. I recommend yeah. them anyway, but for the... Yep people who don't want to have the equipment checked after the big event. 
<laughs> you know, I'll I'll recommend it strongly at that point. And more often than not, they have some sort of hypertonic issue going on yeah. um, with the pelvic floor, and it's pulling on their sacrum, and it's pulling on their pubic bone. And once that starts to release with the pelvic floor physical therapy, then life is good again. Um, yeah. I actually have somebody right now who I'm seeing who's had this lower back pain since uh, her first baby five years ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, she came in uh, during the second pregnancy, it started to bother her again, so I saw her a couple of times there. But it was sort of like, you know, it, it got a little better. And then after she had the baby, she was too busy to do anything with it, yep. another baby. So... Uh, now I'm seeing her, and it's five years after the first baby. We worked on it four times. It got a lot better, but then it became clear it's not stable. Like, she'll have flare-ups. Yep. And um, flare-ups don't make sense to me. So I'm like, you should go see, at least for an evaluation, yeah. the pelvic health physical therapist. And, you know, she, I, you know, I guess you probably deal with the fact that some people are closed off to the idea of uh, any kind of internal body work. So um, I guess chronic pain opens your mind. So she's. <laughs> yeah. When things are bad enough, it's, it's interesting. Um, I I'm fortunate in that my background is I was an orthopedic trained um, PT first and then kind of did pelvic health simultaneously and then realized that the mashup was, was better than anything separate. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I notice now, again, after doing this a long time is there's so much, I do actually less internal now than I did ever in my career, just because I feel like if you just understand how everything kind of works together collaboratively, there's so much that you can address externally. And then when you do actually do the internal, you can just be laser focused on what you need and what the outcome is. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, there's some people that very much, uh, again, probably more on the chronic side of things. And if there's trauma history and that sort of thing, internal is definitely not where you want to start. But that's, again, where it's really nice to have extra, external resources like yourself that understand this and like, hey, why don't we work on this first, see how far we can get with it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, off the record, I'll keep you posted because she's <laughs> she's going for uh, she's going for her evaluation, and and well, I that's really good. Think, I really think it's going to make a big difference for her. Well, and and again, I think chronic issues are incredibly interesting. I've I've had off and on back stuff since a work injury back when I very very beginning of my career doing uh, subacute rehab. Um, and it's something that always kind of like, it'll, it'll kind of ebb and flow. And I think when you understand there's musculoskeletal pieces to it with women, there's hormonal pieces to it, which obviously that's going to play up in pregnancy and postpartum mm -hmm. and then later on in, in perimenopause and that sort of thing. Like, I think we're so lucky to work with, um, an area of the body and, and in a group of people that you have so many multi kind of disciplinary things that can sort of play into it. Um, that it, it's, 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 it's fun to be able to see that there's unique ways in which we can address these issues and, and kind of what gets people better. Um, that's what I, I, I really enjoy about it. How did, how did you actually get into working with it? To me, it's a little weird to, to have a, a male excited about working with pregnant and postpartum women. We, we have a lot of people in my field that get into it because they were pregnant and postpartum and had issues. How, how did you come to, to start working with pregnant and postpartum women? That's a great question. For us, it started with fertility. So, mm, okay. That makes I, a lot of sense. I, I used to be in more in a medical uh, side of things. I, I worked in ambulances and emergency rooms mm -hmm. and I was, was headed towards 
medicine and medical school, I I had a life event that kind of pulled me away from that and made me think I want to be still in healthcare, but more on the on the more natural working with the body side. Yeah. I still love drugs and surgery for what they're able to do, but um, and I respect them a lot. But uh, I wanted to be on the more holistic side, so. I kind of took a year to study a, a bunch of different complementary modalities in alternative healthcare, and I, I fell in love with the combination of chiropractic and massage together. Mm-hmm. My wife is a psychologist, so ah. we work together, so we have the mind-body thing going on. That's great. Um, we struggled with fertility for years, and mm-hmm. um, after exhausting medical options, we were left being told, like, there's it's not going to happen mm-hmm. and uh you should explore alternative pathways to parenthood of course by that point we were completely broke we had no money we had oh, no relationship we had no- nothing our personal mind body spirits were both crushed and um we were not going to be good parents to anybody so we took time we didn't know how long but we just invested in ourselves it was nice to earn money and not just give it to fertility treatments it was nice to spend time together not not stressed on where we are in the fertility roller coaster um and we we really spent time working on all of those things and um immersed ourselves in natural health care and then we moved from where we were in Nebraska to Los Angeles. That's a and big change. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, we're, we're from New York, I should say. Oh, okay, uh, then it's not that big of a change. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska is just sort of a, uh, my wife uh, did an internship there for one year. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, and then we came to LA, which has sort of brought us back up to like typical city speed. Yep. And um, we were in a much better place. So we thought about like, hey, let's explore adoption what all these other means to becoming parents mm-hmm. uh and we found out we were pregnant and uh then every two years another baby popped out like we oh couldn't, my goodness we couldn't turn it off gotcha so really was it was it nebraska that made the difference or california i I'm, i grew up in upstate new york so we're, we're a little more mellow up there but <laughs> yeah i mean definitely mellowing out uh, big changes to the nervous system big changes yes. to all the yes. systems. Uh, and so when we opened our mind body practice for general health and wellness, we did have an eye on helping people boost their natural fertility, whether gotcha. they were doing medical or not. We just wanted, you know, if you have no uterus, you're probably not going to get pregnant. But if you have all the parts and, yeah. you know, there's there's no obvious reason why you're not either able to get or sustain a pregnancy, then there's a lot of things we can do yep. with both the mind and body to encourage that. So um, that's kind of uh, how we got involved in this world to begin with mm-hmm. but uh through that program at first we had a couple of babies come through and then every year it just snowballed more and more babies <laughs> and people are like hey well, I, I still want to see you now that i'm pregnant and right um that's kind of how we ended up in pregnancy and i do a lot of body work so i, I guess it was a natural progression that at times people would be like hey can you help me while i'm in labor uh with your body work and uh, by that point sometimes we already have a five or six month relationship where i can i have a really good understanding of of both their what makes them tick in their mind and what their strengths and weaknesses are in their body and uh that's after going to a few births with no 
no formal training, I thought I it would make a lot more sense if I had some kind of training. Right. So I did doula training and then Oh fantastic. I became a doula because you have to do some births yes. in order to finish it. And then once I was doing births, people were like, Hey, I want the doula who can massage me the entire time I'm in labor. So uh that kind of got out of control for a little bit. That's like bit. the super doula, right? <laughs> I, I guess, except I'm a big hairy dude. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no one looked at you funny like when you walked in and said hey I'm oh, a doula? <laughs> oh the first time I went to the hospital here the major hospital and I'm at the nurse's station saying hey can I go to room 7 I'm here to see Leslie and they're like oh what's your relationship to the patient I'm like oh I'm her doula and the nurse was like what what did you say right. like ready to call security and I'm like and that's coming from a male nurse by the way yeah. so uh, you know we had the uh, I, same thing in in um, pelvic health PT, just trying to get um, more inclusivity for men wanting to practice in that area. So it's 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 really interesting. It's like the one place where we have to, um, you know, advocate for men being involved is in um, kind of women's medical care, which is really interesting. Yeah, and it's definitely I get the awkwardnesses for for people you know and 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 the inherent sort of doula like nature that women have for women yeah um, i'm not a, a typical doula <laughs> um i'm i'm a body worker that you know that's coming in um and, and mostly doing body work but also wanted to be better poised to once yeah. i'm in the room be sensitive to certain things and also more helpful in other ways so uh that's kind of the progression that's how we, gotcha. we and my wife is a doula too um, as a psychologist, she um, she works with a clientele that sometimes uh, has more than average either fear, worry, anxiousness, yeah. um, sometimes OCD. So it's just kind of like a specialty doula. She also has yeah. a, a, a built-up relationship with them, and at birth can sometimes be in a better position to help them in the unique ways that they need it That's compared fantastic. to a typical doula. So that that sort of explains um, the Informed Pregnancy podcast. And tell us a little bit about you now have Informed Pregnancy Plus, and it's a streaming service, which is where I see a lot of things going right now. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Well, the, the podcast sort of came as a result. Again, I come more from a very medical background. And in Los Angeles, it's a little bit more of a natural uh, clientele. And uh, all these questions would come up about pregnancy. And I'm... I'm chiropractor so i would either say ask your doula or midwife or obstetrician but i would do research on my own and mm -hmm. some of the things that were coming up you know it was clear that they weren't being presented all of the options that should be available mm. to them like you've had a c-section you want to have another baby then being told the only option is to have another C-section right. is not really the full complement of options. Right. And to a different degree, if you've already had two vaginal births and now you have a breech baby, uh, being told again that you have to have a C-section. On the flip side, sometimes people want a cesarean birth and their doctor doesn't want to do that. So right. the idea is not to have an agenda for what type of birth somebody has, but to be able to provide you information to these questions that I was being asked again and again, and that uh, good data, full complement of options data wasn't really readily available. And that's how we came up with the informed pregnancy 
project. It was a magazine first. Now it's a it's a blog with a weekly uh, article and a podcast with two weekly episodes. And uh, some of it is experts talking about things like what is an umbilical cord? How is it made? What's normal anatomy? What are some variations or complications that can happen? How can you deal with them? Mm -hmm. Some of them are birth stories, just people coming on. What's most popular is the before and after birth stories. Yeah, so I would imagine. Somebody comes on and says, this is how I'm planning to have my baby. And then they come back and say, this is what happened. And um, <clears throat> really, we're kind of learning with them what they learned about the experience yeah. from going through it. And they're sharing it with us, too. Uh, I made two documentaries about those two passion topics of mine, vaginal birth after cesarean or VBAC, and that movie is called Trial of Labor, and the other one is about vaginal breech birth, which is uh, called Heads Up, The Disappearing Art of Vaginal Breech Delivery. And after I made them, there was a big flare of interest, there were screenings, there were uh, premieres and uh, events. And it is LA, right? <laughs> yeah, it was LA. It was, we had a we had a pink carpet event, uh, so uh, it kind of was having impact, and that's why we made it. I'm not a filmmaker by nature, uh, and once that kind of honeymoon phase was over, I realized the only thing I know less about making a great film is what to do once you have it. And so mm. recently I'd been reaching out to other filmmakers uh, in the space. I'm like, what do you do? How, how do you like keep it alive? And they're like, right. we don't know either. So a lot of these films are there. They're very powerful. They're very eye-opening. Some of them came before their time, really, and now are, are more poised to have a great impact. Um, but they were hard to find. And um, what I wanted to do is just put all those films into one space ah. uh, in the in in the areas where people consume video content most. So yep. f with apps for Apple, Android, Roku, uh, coming soon, Apple TV, and of, of course online. And that's what pregnant, Informed Pregnancy Plus is. Um, it's at informedpregnancy.tv. And once you subscribe anybody can kind of go around and play with it for free uh, for a few days but once you subscribe it's six dollars a month or so and you can have access to all of that content and so it, we've added a lot to it we're producing our own stuff and we're licensing stuff the business of being born orgasmic birth the mama sherpas sick which is a the battle against hyperemesis gravidarum mm. we have a docuseries on uh, miscarriage, which is called You Are Not Alone, which I think is an important topic that's under-discussed. Another Absolutely. one is Stillbirth called Still Loved. Um, it's just uh, we're every day we're, we're adding new content. One thing I realized is I must have had a lot of free time and tons <laughs> of extra money. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was thinking worry. that myself. <laughs> I fixed the problem. <laughs> I no longer have either one. Um, well, but, I think with, it's such an interesting um, kind of journey that you've you've taken to to kind of really go educate yourself and then want to share this information. And um, I mean, I, I'm how old are how old are your kids? If you don't mind mine asking, mine are 12, 14, 16, and eighteen. So they're okay. So your yours are even a little bit older than mine. Mine are nine and twelve. And I, the information that's available now is light years from the information that I had that from you had, and we were in that space. And I think that's such a, an important distinction that you would think, okay, well, we would, we should know these things were in the space, right? 
And there's so much, I have, I have moms that say, gosh, you know, that I've got a five-year-old and I wish I had known. I'm like, there's so much stuff we didn't know five years ago. We didn't know 10 years ago. Um, and then there's also stuff that we have known, but because people cycle through pregnancy, like a lot of moms, once they sort of age out and their kids are, you know, school age, they don't talk to the young moms anymore. They, they have no interest. The schedules are different. If you have nap time, we, we, you know, we're in a different, <laughs> it's very hard to be friends with people that have, you know, new babies unless they live across the street. So I feel like there's, to your point, like the information kind of drops off. Um, but having something like this, that's, you know, on demand, I think it, it's, it's, it's a nice progression on kind of how to access information for, you know, as this information kind of pile grows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then once, you know, there was at a time community in village around having children. And yeah. so you were constantly exposed to pregnancy, to childbirth, to breastfeeding. You might even have been, you know, there for your family members while they were giving birth mm -hmm. um, and helping them through their postpartum. And they were certainly there for you. Um, now that that's not kind of how we live anymore, there's yeah. all these professions that popped up that kind of fill in the gaps like the the childbirth educator right the, doula, the lactation consultant the baby nurse um but there's also like missing elements of the community just person-to-person -person support and um we're starting to try to build that together with the platform so um right now it's more it's more individual we're mm -hmm. we're filling in some of those gaps like my wife has a a workshop on there called the afterbirth plan like how mm -hmm. to how to prepare your relationship for having a baby mm -hmm. um, and without that postpartum village it's a lot harder on the relationship you're the second person i talked to um she's a former pro runner um tina muir i talked to her earlier today and you're the second person today to bring this up. She brought it up as well. She's like, you used to have community. You used to have generations that would continue to share that information. You used to have support, just like what you said. And it's gone. And it, it, it's so interesting to hear two people in one day bring up something that's so painfully obvious that we're looking and we're hungering for more information and feeling in a time that we are connected more now than ever, we're, we're, we're disconnected. We're still missing those pieces of information and still having our expectations kind of blown out of the water in pregnancy and postpartum. Um, I, th I think that's without the exposure, my experience with my clients, I've been doing prenatal care for almost 20 years now. Yeah. And uh, my, my experience with my clients is they have no exposure to childbirth except yeah either horror stories from people who love to right. share their horror stories or media mostly like movies tv and maybe newspaper yeah. headlines yeah with and the with the water breaking the gush of gallons of water on the floor and the scream the and screaming yeah. drama. <laughs> but so my analogy is like if you've not been on an airplane and now you're 34 years old and the only thing you know about air travel is what you see in newspaper headlines or in movies mm -hmm. or on tv you'd be terrified to go on, an airplane. on a plane yeah yeah that's it you <laughs> would assume that every airplane either is going to have mechanical failure and fall out of the sky or behind yeah. terrorists or that's have a great analogy it. yeah that's really um, good but in reality planes 
almost all of them take off, have a great flight, land safely. Yep. And that is not even in the consciousness, which is why some yeah. of these films come out and say, like people, orgasmic birth probably came out 15 years ago and people laughed at it like, what are you talking about? That's the total opposite of mm-hmm. what birth is like. But in reality, on the ground, the sensations of that intensity have multiple facets to them. There's pain. There's pressure and there's pleasure. What actually makes it to the brain depends on a lot of other factors. If you're terrified, you're not only going to only feel pain and pressure, but they're going to be magnified. You're going to feel like if you're on a battlefield with a a tiger, you have to be able to have a heightened sensation to anything that could be dangerous to you, which is pain. But if you're in the total opposite mood, if you're feeling almost like, you know, whatever the setting was for conception, assuming natural conception, then um, in that area, the the pleasure is heightened. And so whatever you're feeling there will put pain and pressure in the Mm. background. Um, And in fact, you have the the hormones, the oxytocin raging through the bloodstream, responsible for the pleasure sensation more than any time in life. And you have a lot of mechanical stimulation with the baby kind of moving through you. So it's there, but it's only now that the empowerment is coming back, Back. you know, to- I I feel that too, that the pendulum has kind of like shifted over and it's kind of coming back at this point. Yeah, now people watch orgasmic birth with a new lens, through a new lens, and say, okay, maybe it's not going to be quite that right. uh, intensely <laughs> pleasurable, but maybe it doesn't have to be intensely painful either. Yeah. And maybe I don't need to numb myself to the whole thing for the whole time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I sort of make the joke that I think orgasmic birth is finally starting to reach its climax now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying you're here. All Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. <laughs> who do you recommend? Uh, uh, <laughs> who do you recommend um, take a look at this streaming service? Who who who's your ideal person that would really get some good information from that? My ideal person is is somebody. Look, right now we're it's it's a new site, it, and we're very focused on birth and what happens right before birth and right after birth our plan is to expand on both sides into more pregnancy related things, more fertility related things on the pre side and more postpartum and parenting things on the post side. Um, But there's important conversation there for anybody who is going to have a baby, had a baby or cares about people who will have a baby at some point like those sort of, I I don't want to say darker, but not as jovial films like uh the ones against hyperemesis gravidarum it's not regular morning sickness nausea and vomiting pregnancy no because people (laughs) don't know what it is when it's happening they don't know what's happening to them and they don't get help the earlier you get help for that the better it goes um partners are not really that understanding it's like okay everybody has nausea just like be functional um Mm. employers are not that uh understanding and so it can create it compounds the issue but uh watching a movie like sick which is we brought in from england actually um really opens your mind and helps you understand and the more people are talking about, it, the more we'll drive the research yeah. and have better solutions. We understand more about what's causing hyperemesis now. Right. And uh, thankfully, Amy Schumer came and did a, a, an episode with us and shared her her experience with us. And, you know, that draws attention to it. But you don't have to be pregnant to want that to improve for yes. pregnancy. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. And, and and we're constantly we're constantly bringing things like that. We have a whole section on mind and body, with meditations, with yoga, with uh, 
exercise for pregnancy and postpartum. And, um, you know, not everybody lives in Los Angeles where you can just go out and there's five yoga studios around. Right. So, so the more you're you're removed from these types of resources, the more we're trying to bring them into your home, into your pocket, and uh, and and not have them be out of reach for anybody uh, economically. That's that's fantastic. I, I've kind of felt that way, especially. I think the pandemic sort of kicked that up a little bit, just the importance of virtual resources. Um, like I mentioned, I grew up in, in upstate New York where we had like trees and, you know, we <laughs> the, the closest medical center was about 70 miles. If you've got broadband, you have access to information. And and I think that's so incredibly important that that women should not feel like their success and their outcomes are... Um, limited by their local resources. And I, I that's the, the probably the best thing besides delivery margaritas that came out of the pandemic was <laughs> <laughs> was the fact that you can access anybody anywhere. You are not limited by by that thing. So totally. cool. All right. So I've got your Instagram up here. Do you have all your information up um, regarding that over over there? You've got some links yeah. there as well. Okay. The awesome. link in Instagram has access to everything we do. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, so the, Dr. Berlin, he's over on Instagram at Dr. Berlin. If you're interested at all in the Informed Pregnancy podcast, learning more about different aspects of pregnancy, birth stories, you've got, I think, Hillary Duff on there. I, I saw that oh, one. Yeah. That one was really interesting, a pre and a post. She's had a couple of kids, my goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the Informed Pregnancy Plus streaming service. You can head on over to uh, Instagram on his links and learn more about that. Thank you, Dr. Berlin. I had no idea that uh, chiropractors could be so <laughs> interesting as far as dual background and pregnancy postpartum. I really appreciate and dad you jokes. On. Yeah, dad jokes. Uh, okay, I'll give you that one. I will give yeah. you that one. <laughs> Thank my, you. Yeah, my son actually is uh, sort of outpacing me at the dad jokes. I'm very uh -oh. proud. I'm very proud. <laughs> he has a podcast called Hootie the Foodies. He started when he was ten years old, and. Uh, he, so you he guys had, have the gift of gab then, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's he's totally ready for having kids with all the puns. Awesome. I'm glad you prepared him. Thanks again for being on. I appreciate <laughs> oh my goodness. It. Thank you so much for having me and for the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell a friend to do the same. Are you a postpartum mom or postpartum pro wanting to know more about getting back to running after baby? Check out all my free goodies on carriepagliano.com. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Carrie Pagliano and her guests to the show. The content should not be taken as medical advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.